We the People, Our American Story is the podcast for Americans who love America. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every week as I introduce you to a hero, a freedom fighter, a veteran, a warrior, an immigrant, and other inspiring Americans living their American dreams with one common thread. They love America. In this podcast, we talk about the hard things, emotional and physical scars, PTSD, real challenges, and how they not only weathered the storms, but rose above the clouds to become stronger and better. Be assured, we laugh too. What is life without a bit of humor? These stories confirm what our founding fathers believed. America is truly a special place for a special people, and you are part of this great story. We the people, our American story is your podcast find yourself in this space every week a place where American values are cherished and treasured a place where we celebrate each other a place you belong this episode of the we the people our American story podcast is a bit different Sometime back, one of my previous guests, Justin Meller, told me he wanted to know more of my American story. Well, last week I had the opportunity to speak with Brian Parrish from the Parrish the Thought podcast. Among the things we discussed were my love for America and my thoughts on current issues facing our country and how opposing sides can come together. This is part of my American story. All right, Tina McCafferty, host of the We The... I've already slaughtered your name, That's Tina. Okay. What the, your podcast is called? We the people, our American story, right? Absolutely right. Yes. Okay, and welcome back, back, Parish to Thought listeners. We're doing a little tag team podcast. Yes, that's exactly right, Brian. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and why you're so passionate about it. Okay. My podcast, as Brian said, is We the People, Our American Story. I am an average American. I am a wife. I have been a stay-at-home mom for 20 plus years with three teenage kids. So you can imagine that keeps me pretty busy, but I have always had an immense love for this great country. I have always felt very patriotic about this country, and I am concerned that that is not the case for most Americans today. I started this podcast by accident I was in a class for something totally different, and one of our homework assignments was to simply do a podcast trailer on anything that interested us. And I thought, oh, geez, I I think I'm going to do something on America. That's what I did. I did a little trailer, and it sat there for weeks and weeks. I'm not sure what happened, but I thought I'm going to go ahead and do a podcast episode My basic premise was to talk to anybody who loves the country. That is the main thing. You have to love America. It could be a veteran. It could be an active military, could be an entrepreneur, an immigrant. Those were my qualifications. It kind of slowly turned into a military podcast by accident Because if you are familiar with the military community at all, it is very tight knit. Once I started talking to wounded warriors, they began referring me to even more wounded warriors. I will speak still to anyone who loves the country, but 
I get warriors all the time, active military, veterans. I love, love, love hearing their stories. I can't emphasize it enough. They are incredible people. I believe that this country, the United States of America, is the greatest country the world has ever known. I will make no excuses for that. I firmly believe that. It makes me absolutely insane that people don't understand how blessed they are to live here. That is my hope with every single episode that I put out, that I can touch one person who will hear this story of whatever hero I have on that week. And I consider all of them heroes, including yourself, Brian, because you are telling American stories. I want to touch one person, maybe one person who hadn't really put a lot of thought into it, but now can really think about how great this country is and the heroes. The most amazing thing, I speak to a lot of people who are severely injured. They're missing limbs. They're horrifically burned, but I have asked many of them, and this is the most amazing thing. They have all told me they would do it again. It gets me every time. I can't even believe it. The pain, the PTSD, the trauma, the heartache of seeing their buddies getting blown up. And yet they would do it all again. How great of a love is that? for this great country. America is a special place. Our founding fathers, I believe were inspired. Were they perfect men? Absolutely not, but they were good men. They came up with a government that no other nation had experimented with, thus the great experiment. And look where we are today, the constitution, It's a sacred document. And we don't understand it. We need to learn more, including myself, about this great document. That, in a nutshell, Brian, if you can call it a nutshell, it's a very big nutshell. Very large nutshell. Yes, is why I do this podcast. You have got a lot of work to do. For there are many, many that, including myself, who obviously born and raised here, I do not appreciate this country like I think I should. So why do you think, and you mentioned you will talk to anyone who loves this country. Will you talk to someone who hates this country? Because I think that would be a fascinating discussion if that person's willing to learn. And if you're obviously open to learning why, because there's a lot of people who don't feel the same. And that would be fascinating to find out what experiences they've had, what they've been exposed to that makes them think that it's not, you hear the stories when we say this is the greatest country, you get a lot of people who kind of like when Barack Obama, when someone asked him about America and exceptionalism, when he was in office and then he said, well, it's the same as British exceptionalism or Scandinavian exceptionalism. And that's kind of how he answered it. Maybe all the other countries should be able to say the same thing about their own country. And maybe they can or can't, I don't know, but that would be a fascinating discussion. Yeah. I don't know how that would work. I have offered people who 
love this country, but have opposing views to come on the podcast. And not one person felt comfortable enough to come on and do it. I don't know then if that is the case. I don't know. I don't know. Number one, if I could get somebody to come on when I can't even get somebody who says they love America, but is on the opposite end of the political spectrum. I don't even know if I could do that. I don't know if they would even accept it. I guess you can ask. That would be fascinating. That's one of the things I try to do with my show is bring on people that I know going into it, I may not see eye to eye because I don't want to talk to the same people that think like I do. One, I think it challenges your own position or makes you at least understand why you hold the views you hold. I do like having people that have experienced different things that might make them not like this country. Maybe I should say people who you would think don't love this country, and then you find out they do. Brian, you're going to have one of them on because he will totally turn your head around about how people think about different things. And that's Dexter Pitts. He's coming up on your podcast, right? Yes. You will absolutely love Dexter. Oh my goodness. I cannot say enough about that man, but Dexter is a black police officer. And what I loved so much about speaking with him is he really challenges many things that people believe, such as racism, which is a huge thing in this country right now, it seems, because Dexter will tell you that he never experienced outright racism until he and his family moved to a more dominant black community. And he was bullied on the bus by other black kids. For being too black. For being too black. Yeah, I I heard his episode on that. That's mind blowing. Yeah. That's just ignorance. That's just human ignorance. No matter the race, no race has a monopoly on kindness or ignorance. But that's what a lot of people think today. They do. It's been marketed. Yeah. Marketed because it's, I think those in power, if they can keep us fighting, then they can do whatever they were so distracted with just trying to destroy our neighbor over some stupid political thing that we don't even know if it's true or not, that they can just do whatever they want. There is a great divide in this country right now. And Brian, that's what I like about your podcast. I've listened to a few episodes. I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about your podcast, because I think through your podcast, you talk to people who have a story and everyone has a story and we're not so different after all. No, the genesis of my show was talking to anyone about anything. What inspired me was a a TV show on BYU TV called The Story Trek, where the host would literally go to a random town and knock on a random door with his cameras and say, what's your story? They didn't know he was coming. He knows nothing about them. And of course, the initial reaction when there's a camera on your doorstep is, who am I? Nobody wants to hear me. I got nothing, which we all think. In fact, yesterday I was having a conversation with about having someone on my show who just been diagnosed with colon cancer. She's like, nobody wants to hear from me. That's their perspective. Then he pokes a little bit and realizes that everyone has a story. And he says, well, you tell it. And they agree. And then when they're done with that story, they will put a map of the town on the ground, drop 
a Sharpie marker on it, wherever it lands, that's where he goes. It's that random. And that's the miracle of it. And I was just impressed beyond measure with that concept. So I decided to start my show with the same concept. Obviously, I don't randomly call up people I don't know for the most part, but I will talk to anybody about anything. And there's so many stories. Everyone has one, literally. Were you interested in other people's stories before you found that show? Yeah, I've always been genuinely interested in people, just wanting to know what makes them tick. I've always been kind of curious. So yeah, there was a natural tendency to, to go down that road anyway. And this just, uh, a friend of mine said, you should start a podcast. You got good ideas and the way you think is pretty cool. And I'd never even thought about it. And I think I just heard about, someone had told me about this software that I used my show on. And so I just did it. And here we are. How many episodes have you done? How many people have you spoken to? 103 episodes. And many of those are me. There's a few short ones of just me bloviating when I first got started (laughs) in my car with my cell phone, talking into my phone. What have you learned about people listening to their stories about overcoming challenges? What have you learned maybe that makes us different And what have you learned that makes us similar? What makes us similar is that everybody has some kind of challenge. I don't care who you are, what your address is, how many zeros you have in your bank account. Everybody has something that's designed to challenge you and to help you grow. That's what I've learned. And there's a lot of rags to riches stories or rock bottom to the top stories. People who've gotten involved, gotten addictions and overcome them. And mostly those are the reason for their addictions are more fascinating really than, than the recovery. It's like how they got into that. Is your goal then just to illustrate and to prove that everyone is worth the time? Everyone has a story. Everyone is important. Everyone has a life. Yes, that's one of the reasons. And the other is to speak to as many people as I, again, on the surface, may not agree with, um, especially with this political climate and the social media and how we just destroy each other daily for differences. Because you know, we're in this camp or you're in that camp or you're in this box or that box. And we tend to other people. I don't know if there's a term you're familiar with called othering. You put people in these boxes. It's easy to stay in your own camp because it's comfortable and talk to people and bloviate and BS and banter back and forth about how much you hate the other side because it's comfortable and but I don't think you learn as much. So one of my goals is to try to bring on people for the purpose of understanding their position and how they got to where they are. For example, the critical race theory, I still don't fully understand what it is. And I know if you follow conservative media, that's from Satan. So I had a guy on who educated me on what it was, how long it's been around and why he thinks it's not from the devil. And it was interesting. I didn't know. I couldn't argue with him. I don't know. And I think a lot of us don't know because we get one story from one side and yet it's completely opposite story from the other side. So people are stuck trying to figure out what it really is. So things like that are fascinating. And I don't do that to bash or to prove him wrong. And I will bring on people that are courteous and want to understand, not people that are just wanting to win, then I'm not going to bring them on because that's not what I want to do. I don't want to perpetuate the battles and the fighting 
that we see every day. We can do this and get along with people. We don't, I may not agree with anything that they may be, you know, subscribing to, but we don't have to destroy each other. And that's what we're doing. What does it do for you? Because my podcast is a little bit different than yours. When I listen to these people afterwards, number one, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. It takes a lot to really, oh, for to, me to, anyway. To be active listening? Yes, to be actively mm-hmm. listening and to respond and to make sure you're asking decent questions. First of all, then I'm exhausted. So I will be exhausted after this, Brian. <laughs> I've got a, I can exhaust you're, you. You're, you're challenging. <laughs> I will be a little fatigued. But the other thing that I feel, I am on a natural high for the rest of the day because these people that I speak to, these heroes, inspire me so much so that I feel like I can do more because they do more with less. Yeah. You're in a different, definitely different perspective there. There's no excuse for me to not do the things that I challenge myself about not doing because I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm too old. I'm this or that, because these are people without legs that are doing Spartan courses. These are people that are horrifically burned that still get up in front of crowds of people and are paid speakers. What excuse do I have? Nothing. You got nothing. I know it's true. <laughs> and that's great. That's phenomenal byproduct of what you're doing. Uh, I, I would say on mine, I'm always inspired by people's stories, but I think it's more just learning more about somebody or, or some idea or ideology that I don't fully understand. The older I get, the more I know that I don't know Jack squat. It helps me just slow down. You, know, you turn on the news for five minutes and you're going to see things you hate based on what's being fed to you. And it's easy just to go, well, them damn whatever's, you know, see, they're doing it again, destroying everything. It's all their fault. You know, it's Biden, whatever. It's whoever you hate at the white house. It's their fault for everything. I don't want to be a part of perpetuating the division. And in fact, my sales team that I'm on, somebody brought all these, these stickers that say, I did that. It's got Biden. Have you seen those? Of course. He's like, you got to put these on all the gas pumps. And I said, sure, I'll take some and I'll do that on my little road trip. The first gas pump I got to had two of them on it. I'm like, well, someone's already beat me. So I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And then I thought, I don't want to do that. It's funny, but I don't want to be pushing that because it may or may not be true. I've seen those on the news, but you know what? I have not ran into a gas pump that has those stickers. It's funny. In six months, it'll go down. And then what are we going to do? Are we going to, are we, are we, we going to keep the stickers on there saying, well, it looks like he brought it back down. I don't know if that's true. I but hope it, it goes down in six months. Is that going to depend uh, on what happens in Ukraine? I don't know. I don't know. Depends on what media source you feed from. Uh, and there's a whole nother topic probably is I, I, I don't trust media. Uh, hardly any of them. I know someone said local news you can usually depend on for being, Right. We know who that is, but national it's a business. And so I don't follow. And I was a talk show, radio, conservative news, Fox, all of it. Talk show, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh. I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid daily for 20 years thinking I had to be the one to protect my family. And all it did was piss me off. I was mad all the time and solving nothing. 
So I just stopped about a year ago. And if I do tap in, I'll tap into NPR and local talk radio or Fox. And I'll, I'll try to sample as much as I can, knowing that I'm being lied to on every front or believing that I'm being lied to on every front. It's really hard because my husband tells me I drink way too much Kool-Aid <laughs> and because I am one of those. When I watch these programs, I have to tell you, Brian, I do get angry. Yeah, that's me right now. I get angry and I worry a lot about the state of our country and are there nefarious people that are trying to take us down, the whole one world order thing. There are so many issues going on right now that I am deeply concerned with. And maybe I need to turn off the TV, but at the same time, I don't know how to do that because I think there are too many of us that aren't speaking. How do you do that then? You don't want to be upset. You want to be able to understand all sides of the story, but there are some rights and wrongs. Yeah, I agree. However, you said you got pissed off watching the news. I think it's designed to do that. If you're oh, sure. frustrated and angry, you're going to rah, rah for my side, my side. You know, I think that's, it's designed to do that. Of course. That's market manipulation. And I hate that. Yeah, it's so sex and anger sales, right? Yes. Anger, blood, gore, it all. It sells. And we have to at least acknowledge that media is business. We're trying oh. to make money. And if you're not mad, then they're not doing their job and, and you're not going to get in their clicks. I need to do a better job about seeing the other side. It's really hard for me to do that. I know I need to, but a lot of time, I sit there with my jaw hitting the floor and thinking, what the hell is wrong with these people? Why can't they see this? I have a hard time, I guess, wanting to try to see their viewpoint because I don't understand how their viewpoint makes any sense. For example, one of my children posted something about that. There was a shooting in Grand Rapids, Michigan about a week ago, and she, she put a headline on there or just grabbed something and reposted it. See another white cop shooting a black man. And my thought first is, all right, what's the real story? What's the full story? Because you're not going to get it because that fits the media narrative that white cops are evil and they're just out hunting black people. And so I did a little more research and found there was a, a cop who did a play-by-play -play of the video and said, yeah, it looks bad, but this is pretty justified based on what this idiot was doing. He was fighting the cop, grabbed the cop's taser and just fighting and fighting and fighting. Should the cop have done it? I don't know, but he was exhausted beyond measure. And if that guy got a hold of his taser, he would have been dead. So you don't see that. Media won't show that. And that drives me crazy. So biased. A year or so ago, that cop that shot that white or that black girl that was attacking her friends in Ohio. And... LeBron James posted something like, we're coming after you. And, you know, so LeBron James, he's got a bazillion followers. He's got quite influence. He was uninformed and could have, you know, harmed this guy and his family by saying something when he didn't know what was going on. That's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. When we go to the media, we have to, at the very least, acknowledge. Might not be getting the whole story at best. 
people are definitely uninformed. And isn't it easy to be an armchair quarterback in those situations? How many of us have been in those situations? I was for 20 years. My guess is you feed from the conservative side of the trough. Brian, how did you guess that? I don't know. So I, I get it. And I was raised that way. And my dad, God bless his soul. Every time I talk to him, he's like, God damn Democrats ruining every, every time, every time I talk to him, my dad, do something about it. So you just complain every, my whole life. He's been complaining about the left. It wasn't even called the left then. I'm like, well, I won't even talk to one. Like, well, you're part of the problem. We should be talking to each other. It's okay. I love those discussions, Brian. I really do. But again, I cannot get those people to come on my podcast. Keep asking. I mean, I have one friend and he often listens to my shows and he, he calls himself the liberal atheist geek. I'm not atheist. I'm not liberal. Maybe I'm a geek in some fashion. I don't know. But he's a respectable human. So I keep him around. He's almost like my counselor. Hey, what do you think of this? This is where I think. And what's your perspective? Am I totally off on this? And he doesn't like anything conservative for the most part but he's respectable human. So I keep him on and I've had him on my show twice and we're going to do another episode together because it's helping me again, at least understand my own position and maybe learn a little bit about that side. You mentioned you told your dad to do something then. And that's why another reason why I started this podcast, because I am tired of the rhetoric that I seem to hear about how terrible of a place America is with everything, it seems. And doing this podcast helps me answer back, I think. Yeah. Because I yeah. don't know what else to do. Again, who knows what, what we were fed in the history books and how accurate it was. I, I go to that point now. Do we have dark parts of our past? Yes, probably always will. But generally speaking, I heard a great statement years ago that said, no country in the history of the world has amassed so much wealth and power and abused it so little. Well, here's a question for you, Brian. What do you think of the founding fathers? I believe similar to what you believe that they were inspired men who created something that had never been created before that most of the world tries to emulate still. Yeah, I hear the same stories. Oh, they were just racist old white people, slave owners. Maybe they were. That was the time. Completely evil and wrong that that went on. I can't stand that. The whole slavery thing. What makes me insane, though, is when people with their 21st century minds tried to get into the mind of an 18th century person. You can't do that. You can't do that. There's no way. And really, America did not do anything that no other country had done. That doesn't excuse it. No. But I think there are many people who don't understand that or ignore that. Slavery, unfortunately, has existed since since the beginning. beginning. It wasn't just black people. It was the Israelites. I mean, it's existed from the very beginning. And again, that doesn't excuse it. But also we have to remember that America is a fairly new country. 
Yes. And to think how quickly we ended slavery. is pretty but, amazing. But because we are the top dog, we get all of the blame for that. It's the sim- a similar mentality, bash the rich camp. I did an episode on that and I wrote an article about it's easy to try to tear down the top dog because you're jealous or maybe you know you could be doing more, but they're doing it. It's easier to tear down than to build yourself up. I think obviously I think there's some in power that are actively trying to mislead people. I think most of us just don't know. I don't remember history. I love history now, but I don't remember it in high school. I don't remember it probably had a boring teacher which is sad. And I don't remember the things that I was pumped into me, my brain in high school. And we've been out of it for so long. I don't think people know. And we're so busy just trying to survive that people aren't willing or don't have the capability to do their own homework, quote unquote. Yeah. And again, am I saying that racism was okay? Absolutely not. Slavery, racism, that is bad. It is evil. But is America a country of systematic racism? No, it is not. I don't believe so. There are no laws or boundaries put in place to keep anyone from achieving what they can and what they want through hard work in this country. There are no laws. Interesting enough, when I did have my discussion about critical race theory with that gentleman, he did point out something that while it was not overtly written in the law, it was in there. And it for a second, I, I'm thinking, okay, I can see where someone can get that idea that say it's not saying, do not do this to black people, but there was certain things in it and how he worded it. And I'll have to go back and listen to it. That made you think, okay, maybe there's some groups that do want to marginalize other races. Generally speaking, I don't think America is systemically racist. No, there will always be that. And I know that's a cliche phrase. No, it's not systemically racist, but they're always going to be racist. Yes, that's just a reality. They're always going to be ignorant people. I mean, even here in happy little Utah, I've heard some things in church congregations that melt your brain. Yeah. I can't believe people said it's ignorance. Going back to Dexter. I have to go back to Dexter one more time. One of the things we talked about is he is a police officer in Louisville and he was there during the Louisville riots. And he talks about the filthy, disgusting things that people were throwing at him that were saying to him. And these included people of all races calling him all kinds of names. And he'll probably share that with you. And I won't go into that because it's pretty gross. That spoke volumes to me. Does it hurt sometimes? Of course, I'm sure it does. But he also makes a point of saying reacting just gives that person power and he's not going to give that person any power. Yeah. Think about that display of back and forth, you know, anger with the crowd throwing things at him, trying to goat him on. That to me is what the media does is they try to goat you on and freaking Hannity. Again, I used to like him until I started to hate him. Politically, I may agree with your policies, but I cannot stand the way he argues and name calls. 
I am so sick. In fact, I'm doing a podcast about the othering, the name calling. And I, I, I was taking screenshots of like YouTube videos and watch Candace Owens destroy leftist lifty lib. I don't see it as much on the left, the name calling. You don't? I'm not seeing it as much. And maybe it's because I'm still tapped in mostly to conservative media. Because I try to watch a little bit of CNN, believe it or not. It's the same thing happening on both sides. Name calling. Limbaugh used to do it constantly. Well, oh, I, yeah. I think his policies made more sense to me than liberal policies. He always make fun of Nancy Pelosi and making fun of the libs and the Dems and the, the nut job. The left does it to the right wing blowhards. And it has to stop on both sides. It's ridiculous. And we're never going to get anywhere if we're name calling. As soon as you name call to me, argument's over. Discussion's over. How do we, I don't want to say save America. I don't know. I am worried about these things. I am worried about immigration. I am worried about this nonsense about a million genders, about how gas is soaring because we are not using what we have here. How do we see those other person's point of view then, but really believe that what is happening is not good and how to fight back with that maybe it's not the fighting back i think it's just having a conversation with people that you're in one camp they're in another camp have a freaking discussion i don't think that's happening anymore a civil discussion about at least understand we don't understand we don't want to even try to understand someone because it's hard you have to spend time so we put them in these boxes you're one of those now you're in that box. I can understand you more. Well, you're not understanding that person any better. You just put them in a box and put a label on it. You still don't know why they think the way they think. I think that's how we change and save America is one discussion at a time. Like, not that you and I ever disagree. We're pretty much in the same camp, I think. But talking to people who think otherwise and finding out well, why, what experiences have you had that make you think that that's a great idea? Why is that a good idea? Defend that idea. Both sides, all sides should be able to do that. You think this idea is great? Why? And I think at least getting that discussion going is where we start. Because I can't save the world, but I can change my neighborhood by talking to someone who may or who maybe fly in the trans flag. In, in fact, in my neighborhood, there's one house that has a trans flag, the trans and LGBT flag. And then the house right next to them has the don't tread on me flag. I don't know what's going on between those two neighbors, but you can drive by and make your assumptions. I don't Wouldn't really that know. be funny if they just kept putting up more and more flags? <laughs> I think maybe I should go down to them and ask them both to come on. Well, I guess we can discuss But do you think that changes anybody's mind? I understand the discussion and understanding where that person is coming from, but how can we still come? I'm like, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know what you're saying. You aren't going to change anyone's mind. You can present an idea. You can't sell someone else. You can present an idea and let them purchase it if they want. How many times have you heard the phrase, how many opinions have been changed because of a social media discussion? None. Yeah. How do we then resolve these issues? How do we resolve where we all can feel good about what's going on with the immigration? And how do we solve it so we can feel good about 
these gender identities. That's what's confusing for me. That's what's frustrating. I want to come back to more traditional American values, and I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know. But I think we're on the right track by talking about it to people. I think that's a start. I don't know the solution of the gender thing. I am struggling to get my head around that. That's very, very confusing. I've had two transgender people on my show, and I would like to have 10 more. And what did you learn from them? Again, it was only two. Uh, One was 18, one was 32. There was family trauma to some extent with both of them. And I learned that I can, I can still talk about that and not be afraid to talk about it because I'm not going at it, trying to change them. I can't change people. You know, if you believe in the gospel as we do, there's agency and people have a right to choose and do what they want. And I can't force or make somebody think the way I think. Again, I think it just comes back to the at least basic building blocks of understanding even though I might think it's crazy. I want to know why they think they might think my ideas are stupid and crazy. I have family that I grew up in the Bay area. So they subscribe to the mostly liberal policies. They probably think conservative policies are crazy nut job, wacko, right-wing conspiracy QAnon. You fill in the blank with any, whatever weird militia group, they probably think that's crazy and that we subscribe to that. So who's right? That's well, a tough, that's a tough one. It is really tough. And this is where, again, I get totally agitated because I believe there are right and wrong answers. And as far as transgenderism goes and all these different genders. I'm not angry at those people and I don't hate them, but I feel like we are, and I shouldn't say, but because Dr. Phil says, ignore everything I just said when I use, but but. I'm not angry with them. I don't hate them. I don't understand why we are okay with it all. It doesn't make any sense to me how anxiety and depression is considered a mental illness, but that isn't. How does that make sense? That biology now is thrown out the door and there are what? Incalculable genders. I feel like we are catering to the minority because we are afraid to stand up and say, that's not right. I value you as a person, but something's not right. Something is not right there. Do you know who Dennis Prager is? Yes. He had a great statement that said, I think he called it compassion in the micro standards in the macro. No, or vice versa. He had a reference to, he has some very close friends that are a gay couple. And he loves them dearly back when I think prop eight in California with, you know, gay marriage, he says, I don't want that. I don't want that to be legalized, but I love my gay friends. Some could look at that like, well, if you're supporting a cause or a group that's 
fighting that, then you're just, you're a hater, just like they are. I don't know what the answer is. Well, I'll tell you, I substitute and I substitute for elementary school kids. I do it a couple times a week, mainly because my husband told me I'm not allowed to take money out of savings anymore for vacations. <laughs> this is our vacation money. But I teach a lot of sixth grade. I really like sixth grade because you don't have to babysit them. It's not like hurting cats the whole day. I teach over at my sister's school a lot. And they have this one class. And she told me what was going on in there. And I was absolutely floored. There was a little boy that was transitioning to a girl. No, see. Yeah, transitioning to a girl, I think, is the way it was. And there was this other little boy from, where was he from? Somewhere in Africa. I can't remember which country it was, but he had immigrated here. They caught him kissing this boy who was transitioning, looks like a little girl into a girl. They caught them kissing out back behind the portable. This little boy was completely confused. He did not know what that meant. Am I gay? Am I straight? What am I? is crazy how many kids there are in this. I shouldn't say there's a lot of them, but there are a few in that school that really that's what we're dealing with today. At that age, I think it's, there's something not right about that age. I think if someone wants to tap into that when they're teenager or 18 or whatever, adult, fine. But I think any younger than that, you don't have the capacity to decide that or make that decision. That's a tough one. Yeah. We are conditioned to believe that if we stand up, I believe anyway, for anything that we think is wrong on the conservative side, that you're a bigot. You'll be labeled as a bigot. Or a homophobe. Because they, again, it's a name calling thing. Yeah. Name call. Therefore, the discussion's over. I've yeah. won. I can call you a name. You're a whatever phobe. Fill in the phobe you want then I win and it's yeah. over. Like the immigration thing that you and I had talked about last week, I get really angry. So, so angry. I'm trying to find my words now, how angry that whole immigration thing along the Southern border. And I explained to you the reason was because my nephew is engaged to a Russian girl. They met online accidentally. He thought she was here in Utah, found out, wait, you're in Russia. And he's been to Russia twice. They've been to Turkey together, Egypt. They fell in love. They're engaged. And he finally, finally, finally had her visa go through. It took over a year, over a year. She has to get her COVID shots done again because hers, I don't know if America calls it that, or it really, if Russians call it that, it's the Sputnik shots. They don't accept that here in America. She can't come to America until she gets those COVID shots done again. But then we've got people along the southern border, wave after wave after wave after wave, coming in, seemingly unstoppable, no COVID vaccinations. We don't know who these people are. Are there good people there? Absolutely. I worked in a hotel for many, many years. And I can tell you the hardest workers were the housekeepers. A lot of the housekeepers were immigrants. And because they didn't speak English very well, housekeeping was somewhere where they could go and work and earn for their family. 
but we are kidding ourselves if we think those are the only people that are coming in over the border. And that pisses me off that there are people who try to convince us that every single person that crosses that border comes in with good intentions. It's not true. Yeah. We've got the sex trade. We have fentanyl, which comes in through the Southern border. And not all these people are going to have jobs. We are funding these people coming in. Who are these people that think that we have such an unfair immigration policy here? Because a lot of the other countries, you have to pay a lot of money to become a citizen of their countries. You don't have to do that here. Not like you have to do in other countries. And yet we are racist and we have these policies that affect minorities. I don't get it because my nephew's girlfriend is a white Russian girl and it's taken over a freaking year to get her to a visa. And these people coming over the border, just here you come, welcome. Here's a cell phone, some money, go and do whatever. No, it doesn't make sense. That drives me crazy. That's bureaucracy, that's government. That's the worst. If I lived in Mexico, I would do the same thing. I would come to this country. Well, yeah, do you blame them? I I would totally do the same thing. I get it. I get why they're doing it. They have gangs and all kinds of horrible Mm -hmm. things there. The government is corrupt. But you cannot give asylum to every single person that comes through. I know. And my understanding is with this 42nd title, once it is gone, which said we can turn you back because of COVID, anybody can come in and say, I'm seeking asylum. And they can come in the country for years before their case is even heard. Yeah. I've seen it a few times that there are projections. I believe it's 18,000 people. May 23rd, I believe is when that will be done away with title 42. And the projection is 18,000 people will be flooding into America every single day. This isn't every single week, every single month. This is every single day. That is almost a half a million people a year. I mean, a month, 6 million people a year. And let's face it, it's probably going to be more coming into this country who we don't know who they are, where they're going, who's going to provide for them. I am not a cruel person. I feel bad when I see these people coming through, but a lot of them are being taken advantage of as they're coming across the border by sex traffickers, kids coming through with people that aren't their parents. Again, there are good people coming in, but we don't know who has good intentions. And to say that we are racist by having some kind of border policy what every country should have. Which every country does have. That is asinine. Yeah. No, it's not fair. And other, every other country has a locked tight border. And for the most part, and you have to follow the rules. Stickler immigration yeah. policies. Stickler immigration Here, policy. I don't know if it's the size or, or what. And the people who are saying we're racist clearly don't have the whole story. No. And you and I aren't getting the whole story either. I interviewed a friend of mine who was a border. He's been a border patrol agent for 22 years. And he just gave me details off on one or two checkpoints that he worked certain parts of the area where he worked. 
and he's only one of 20,000 agents. So that was just one. The numbers were crazy of, of the people he saw. Yeah, I mean, he sent me a video and it was one night and there was 150 people in one night in one location. How can a border agent sustain that? You can't. You can't. You don't have the, the logistics or the power to push them all back and you don't have the logistics or power to bring them all in and take care of people. And how do you not lose your humanity and all that? And they've know. got to be burned out. I would mm -hmm. think they're not going to be long in that job. They'll be gone and then it will be even worse. Those are the things, Brian, that I'm talking about is right yeah. and wrong. And people don't yeah, see I, that. I go back to my original argument. They're being fed a bunch of bullshit from both sides to keep them fighting and to keep you angry. Because I do my podcast and because I speak to veterans and how it seems as if our government is willing to hand out massive amounts of money and other things to illegal immigrants when our veterans aren't getting the help that they need, when our veterans are homeless because they're not getting the mental help that they need because they suffer from PTSD, because the Veterans Administration is, is slow to help. That makes me angry that we are willing to help people that aren't citizens of this country before we help men and women who have given more than most of us, more than what over 99% of us will ever give to this country. Wow. Because that less than 1% have seen things and done things that the rest of us can't do. In fact, that's what I tell them and what they don't understand. And this is what makes the veteran community special. Because when I talk to them, they act like it's no big deal. Well, you would have done it. I don't think so. I tell them that all the time. No, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. And that's what you don't understand. That's what makes them incredibly special. They really do not understand how we see them. They don't understand that what they have done, over 99% of us could not, would not do it. And they are getting the short end of the stick. It makes me furious. Yeah. Case in point, I, one of my friends, his father, is about ready to pass away. He's 75. He's a veteran. He's been dealing with the VA hospital for nine months about an illness he's been dealing with. They just now got the diagnosis two days ago. And he's about two days from death because of the VA hospital and how inefficient and ridiculous it has been for them because it's a bureaucratical there's no incentive to understand and make sure that's, that's a whole nother discussion. But if you're coming over the but, Southern border here, let me give you cash. Let me give you a cell phone. Let me give you some place to stay. Yeah. One of the people that I spoke to, his name is John Peck. He's one of the five surviving quad amputees. And he had on Facebook the other day that he was having to go and fight for it's either his girlfriend or his wife to continue to receive payment via his girlfriend or wife as his full-time caregiver, because all of a sudden his limbs have magically appeared and he doesn't need that help anymore. This is a man who had his arms and legs blown off for you, for me to protect us. And the government is now telling him, I'm not sure if you need a full-time caregiver anymore. Yeah. Government needs competition. That would solve everything, but they don't, there's no incentive to do the right thing. 
No, it's mind blowing to me. I, you're not going to get any argument from me about that. It doesn't make any sense. I love this country. I love America with every fiber of my being. And when I see things that are wrong, that should not be happening, that will slowly erode away our freedoms, that will slowly erode away our greatness, it's devastating. Would the founding fathers even recognize who we are today? Think about us growing up, Brian, would you, would you recognize this country from when you were a teenager? I wouldn't. No, it's, it's changed significantly. I don't know if it's, that's, it's not for the better, in my opinion. No, I think our principles are still greater than our problems. I think it's uh, fixable. Yes. Yes. And therein lies the hope. And that's why doing what you're doing. You can't reach, you know, this isn't going to be on the Grammy Awards, although it should be this interview, right? It should be. It should be. This is Grammy worthy, right? <laughs> but it's going to touch somebody. Someone's going to hear it and maybe either it'll piss them off or they'll do nothing or they will do some homework and change or reach out to someone they don't know or they don't agree with and talk. I think we're doing the right thing and you want to change it all. You want to just clean house. Uh, it's it, it's taken a long time to get here. It's going to take a long time to to get back to where I think we ought to be. I agree, Brian. I have to ask you a question because I always ask. You have it. to, or you want I to? I have to. Oh. I want to. Okay. But it's, it's critical okay. for me. Ooh, critical questions. Wait until the end. All right, I go. Ask this in every single podcast. What does America mean to you? It means that I can at, at least at this point i still have the freedom to create my own destiny without being encumbered by exterior forces whether within the country or without the country right now that's what it means to me that we can do and be literally whatever you you can set your mind to you can pretty much do i'm not going to be an nba player nor do I want to be, but I couldn't do that. Nobody's telling me, unless I allow it, what to do, what I can be, where I can go. That's what it means. That's a great answer. And again, it's, it's I have been a slave to jobs most of my life until about four years ago when I, when I changed to a different employment situation. Could I have done that somewhere else? Maybe. I don't know. But I did it here. And nobody was stopping me. Nobody. The only obstacle is me. That's it. That's what I think. America, the only obstacle is you. I love it. How about you? You tell me. Or have you said it probably 17 times. What, what does it means America, to you? What America means to me. It's funny because when I talk to people, and now I understand when I ask them, they'll tell me that's, that's a really hard question. It shouldn't be I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's a hard question. It shouldn't be, but it is because we don't have a lot of perspective because we have lived a very 
peaceful, you know, a life, the ease of the way. It's been very comfortable. And my kids' lives are very comfortable, more so than when mine mine was. I think for me, America, sorry, America is a sacred place to me. And Brian and I are both of the same faith. And our faith teaches us that America is a sacred place. That many things have happened here in this country to promote the gospel. This country was not by accident. I believe that George Washington and others were foreordained to do the things that they did. I believe that there were events leading up to that time that were supposed to happen to birth this country. Let's talk about it. We should not have won the American Revolution. How did that happen? Have you ever stopped to think about how that happened? A bunch of ragtag redneck farmers beating the British defeated the most powerful military force in the world. How does that happen yeah, without numbers some in the math, the math doesn't fine work. help? No, there's a fabulous book. You know, Tim Ballard, I'm sure you do, yes. right? He has written fabulous books. And one of them is about George Washington. And after reading that book, my testimony of that man was strengthened even more. He should have died at least half a dozen times. No explanation for why he did not perish. Especially when you read about this tall man I don't know how tall he was, almost six feet, I think. And he is on a horse in the middle of ferocious fighting, wearing a blue cape, obvious to anyone. You can see him. Two horses are shot out from underneath him at one time. He survives going down a river. He should have drowned. I cannot help but think that he was saved for a special purpose. I believe America is that city on a hill. We are the hope of the world. And it has to be taken seriously. And we have a responsibility. Yes. To make the world a better place with it, but people have to be reminded or taught why it's a miraculous place and a blessed place that you talk of. I believe America is not secular. It has a very profound spiritual meaning 
to this earth. And Brian, I'm sure you know all of the things that I am thinking about that most other people don't understand or don't believe, but that is what makes me passionate about this country and keeping it strong. And when I talk to these people, Matthew Bradford, one of my very favorite podcast guests, young Marine, steps out of an IED, wakes up in complete darkness. He thinks he's been captured. He thinks he's blindfolded. No. Both of his legs are blown off, damaged so severe in his eyes that he's completely blind. And do you know what he told me in that interview, Brian? He said, I love America more than most do. And I would do it again. Did he have hard days? Yes. Did he feel sorry for himself? Yes. Was it hard adjusting to this new life? Yes. But this country is important to him. The men and women that he served with are important to him. And if you follow him on Facebook, you are in for a treat. If you don't, I will tell you to do that. No legs, no vision, no problem, because he will inspire you every day with the things that he does. And that's what I think about America. He understands the why. And many of us have, one, never learned it or have forgotten it or have been taught to hate it. Yes. So you're doing the right thing. I hope so. I, I know you are. There will always be detractors to what you're doing, but invite them on. And I think what you are doing is inspiring because you want to bring us together. I think that's the first step. You want all of us to understand that we can think different. We can believe different. We can be different, but we're all people. And again, as you and I believe, we are all children of a loving heavenly father. And we all are the recipient of the freedoms this country has allowed to, to be different and have different opinions and want to kill each other. <laughs> That's because the freedom has allowed that to happen. Yes. That's the irony of it. Yep. I don't want leftist ideas silenced ever because if they do that, then they're going to come after my voice, decide whether that idea is valid or not. I hate seeing the flag burned, but it is their right. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah, that's what makes this country so great because you can do something that I consider so repulsive, like burning the flag. And it's your right. And I think have, if they understood the why behind what the flag really represents, they would probably do otherwise. Thomas Capel, another person I had on my podcast, 
said, I will always stand for that flag because I have been inside a plane full of flag draped coffins. I will always stand for that flag. Brilliant. Yeah. Tina, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. This has been awesome. I would love to hear your thoughts on what Brian and I discussed in this episode. Leave me a comment. Follow the We the People, Our American Story podcast by visiting the website at www.wethepeopleouramericanstory.com. Find your favorite platform on the top of the website page to subscribe, ensuring you don't miss one single episode. Everyone has a story and Brian Parrish is out to prove it. You can subscribe to the Parish the Thought podcast by visiting Parish the Thought podcast on Instagram. That's P-A-R-R-I-S-H, the Thought podcast, to find his Apple podcast link. Next week is a two for one. Earl Granville and Jonathan Lopez, two American heroes, wounded warriors, and Operation Enduring Warrior honorees. We the People, Our American Story is the podcast for Americans who love America.